strong! Hey guys, welcome to The Jig Is Up. Uh, I do not have Jason with me yet again. He's he's ominously uh, absent from these uh, podcasts these days. I don't know. I'm going to have to track him down in white court. Uh, this podcast, though, I'm just going to do an intro and then we're going to kick, kick into the uh, the book club that I was recording at the other day. If you were on our social media at all, you saw I, saw, I posted a picture from a book club called Chapters and Chat, which takes place here in Calgary, Alberta, every month. And um, it's an Indigenous-led book club. And they were doing a book called Secret of the Stars by a new Indigenous author, uh, Gets Crazy Boy. And I thought it was important to go. I, I was invited to go and podcast the, the book club for them. And so I was quite honored to do it. Uh, I really, I'm friends with Gitz. He's a great guy. And I think uh, my both my wife and my daughter absolutely loved the book, Secret of the Stars. Uh, so yeah, check out the book club. And uh, if you're interested in picking up the book, you can go to his website, GitzCrazyBoy.com for more information. Or you can go to Amazon.ca and pick up the book. And uh, he's, it's just been launched and he's taken off, it's taken off. So, you know, get your copy while you can. And uh, yeah, he's, it's a pretty cool book. So I encourage everybody to check it out. And if you're in the Calgary area and you want to take part in this Indigenous book club uh, called Chapters and Chat, it takes place every, every month. You can find it on social media. Just do a search for Chapters and Chat. And uh, it's organized by an organization called 12 Community Safety Initiative. So you can also check them out on social media as well. And I hope you guys enjoy what is the recording of their book club. Okay, so we've had uh, book clubs in the past. We only have two hours. We, we have to be done here at about a quarter after eight. I'd like to start everybody going to their um, um, feedback forms, telling us what you think of that, and try to give you about 15 minutes to to write in that and, and get it back to me. So we only have until about a quarter after eight. And we want to have everybody be able to at least talk to Gits and Gits to be able to talk a bit. So we have a talking stone so that that way everybody gets a turn and try to be mindful. And it is heavy for a reason in the house <laughs> that we can, we can get it around to everybody. So uh, do think about that when we go around. and. You know, one of the reasons why we have this book club is to start relationships between Indigenous and non-Indigenous and um, talk about reconciliation and what that means. And through each and every book that we've done, we've been able to really um, talk about that. And I would like to maybe start by just letting Gitz talk a little bit about his book and then we'll kind of go around from there. How does that sound? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> what inspired you to write this book, Gitz? Uh, wow, this is the first time I've, I'm doing anything like this, so it's, it's pretty interesting. I'm a little nervous. Um, first I, of uh, many, if I can interject. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. There's a good future for you. Thank you. Um, what inspired me to write this was, uh, ever since I was a kid, um, when I was growing up in Brockett for the first few years, um, I have always had this attraction to stars. There's always been something about stars and them falling from the sky. And, the question was always in my head, what do stars become when they hit the earth? You know, do they end all life or do they, do they change into something? And I've always wondered that ever since I was young. Um, as I got a bit older, I started formulating a story. In the first draft I did of this was like 30 pages. It was completely different than what you're reading right now. And then uh, I kept writing and kept writing. And I was writing stuff that was 
loosely based on things that I had experienced in my life and then stuff I would invent. And so it's fun for me to give this to family because some of the stuff they know I did. And then they're like, was it like this? Was it, uh, you know, did you really do this? Was this real? Was this not real? And I, I'll never tell them the truth. <laughs> they're never going to be able to differentiate between what is fiction and what is reality because I think our lives are like that. At the end, when we look back, we're like, did this really happen? Dude, I really remember it the, in the right way. Um, and I've always been a fan of dreams, you know? I, I, to, to intersect, our, Blackfoot people were, were visionary people. Um, you know, we go fast, traditionally we go fast on the mountain. Several times throughout our life to be guided by a, a vision, <coughs> a dream, a calling. We want to, we want to go out there um, and cry for vision. The Nakota people call it Mblecha, and that's when you're there and you, you're asking the spirits, you're asking something. For, to guide you. Um, and I've always had that in my life. And these are the three things I was writing about. Tragedy is no stranger to me. You know, I'm, I'm, we've all experienced in our lives. Um, and these were all themes that I wanted to, to um, intersect. I wanted them to cross, crisscross. I wanted it to be there. And, that, and writing a character who you could kind of visualize yourself as. Um, and, not, and the idea of writing, I was like, man, this guy is not going to learn. He's not going to learn by um, doing the right thing. You know? The hero doesn't always have to slay the dragon. Sometimes the dragon defeats the person, and the people learn from that. And that was one of the things that was inspired as I was writing. Mm. So yeah, it took a few years to write. Um, the whole thing took a few years to write. I would go back, I'd write some more. I, I met the late Richard Wagamese. I met him a few times, and then he sat down, he read it. And he liked it. He's like, oh, it's really good, but it's not quite done yet. I, I want you to write another draft. So I wrote three more. And um, I was, we were kind of in correspondence. And then he sent me an email saying, oh, I'm just feeling a little sick, a little down. I'm not, um, yeah, I'm not, uh, not at the par right now. And so I just kind of left him because he's, he's a busy guy. And then shortly after that, he passed away. Um, so in a lot, the, the book is also... It's got a bit of him in it, um, because I was in awe of the stuff that he'd write and the things that he would do. So, yeah, that's. Anyway, where should I pass this? Yeah, how about we go this way? This way? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Hey, thanks. I'll talk more than anyone, so go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say, like, it was a really beautiful book, lots of metaphors, um, and I really did enjoy that, like, the second person perspective in that writing and just it, yeah really made you feel like you were the character <laughs> got you mid-set out of me um i'll offer this first <laughs> for my ancestors for all the stories for my auntie who's 90 today wow So, for me, I heard your voice before I heard it tonight in the, in the reading. I can see the imagery come to life through your voice. I imagine this book bigger and more blown out than it is. I imagine it as a radio play. I imagine it as a screenplay. 
I see a man on a stage, an empty stage, speaking this. I imagine the fire, um, the light changing. Like for me, it, it probably brought me um, as close as I've ever been to an indigenous experience or story or mystic something. So I was reading as this teacher, English teacher, I was reading as an editor a lot of time. I had a pencil out quite a bit in the beginning. And then I surrendered the pencil, I put it down, because I thought I'm, I'm needing to read this differently. And that's when your voice emerged. So I think this is a book of possibility and I'm not certain this is the end of the shape of it. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, so to add to that, we, um, I purposely didn't indent, no, I, can, I purposely didn't indent the, uh, the paragraphs. I wanted to have a different feel, just aesthetically when you look at it. And we had an editor that we're probably not gonna use again. Really? Uh, yeah, for it. Because there's, there's, I, I looked through it now, I'm like, oh man, there's this and this and this and this. and. Um, I, I, I probably should have. I probably should have just did it myself and spent another like couple days editing the thing. Because I, I, I look back now, I see a lot of grammar errors and stuff. But stylistically and the structure of it, you know, if you look as you go through the book again, there are certain paragraphs that are in, that are indented, and I believe that if you didn't pick it up visually, part of your brain did, and that would certain parts would stick out more because of that. Um, even the way when he meets Nappy, um, his, his his whole speech is, is bolded. Because I, he wasn't talking to a human anymore. He was talking to something greater. Um, and there, yeah, I purposely, I made it different because dreams are different. And that's what I wanted to have. So when you, very first, when you actually look at the book right now, if you open it up, you'll, you'll see it, the very first thing is not indented at all. And I wanted to have that. I was fighting myself as I was writing it to, to, to do that. Because I was like, no, you should have an indent. It has to be like this. Like, no, it doesn't. Like, dreams don't have any kind of structure. Dreams are just dreams. And that, that's what I wanted to have. And I'm glad that you were, uh, as an English teacher, you can see through all that and put yourself in, into different shoes. You brought me there. And I had several conversations with my 27-year-old daughter about it. I've never stopped a book so often to talk to somebody about the fact that I thought you were articulating and from what Michelle and the group has taught me, the indigenous writer, the indigenous voice is different. And my daughter said that it's similar to what she's experienced as a band vocalist, a female rock vocalist, because even something like Femwave in the city of Calgary gets not much support because people don't understand the female vocalist yet in that genre. You are on a wave. You are, I think, giving voice to something. And what, all I want to say, and the primary thing I want to say, mm -hmm. 
is please don't shut the door because I think this is something that the content of this can be blown out if that's what you want yep. it can be blown out okay. <coughs> I knew you'd be tough to follow <laughs> I shouldn't have sat here. Uh, you, you, you articulate beautifully, and um, and you've always got something uh, really thought-provoking to say. So thank, thank you. you. Um, I personally would would rather than giving my thoughts and opinions, would like to have the opportunity to ask you questions about sort of where is there is there a follow-up to this, or is there something completely unique and different? Like where is your your thoughts in terms of the next steps for kids? Uh, I am working, I'm working on a couple different things right now. There's two really big ideas I have. Mm -hmm. uh, the second is going to be a teen series. The main one I think right now is, is, is going to be a teen series. Um, I want to say too much aside from, yeah. uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be very punk rock. Um, mythological punk rock. I'm going to say, yeah. if, I write anything, if I can say anything about it right now, it's, it's a myth mythological punk rock. Um, and, <laughs> and the other, there was there was another thing too. Uh, it was a coloring book actually um, to help educate people within um, the trees. Uh, that that was another thing I'm working on right now. But there's also a screenplay I was, I was working on. Uh, me and my friends had this idea. We dreamed up this t this television show uh, about these indigenous kids growing up. And the hook for me was when we were talking about these kids that are in their 20s, and I'm 33 now. We're gonna be, I'm 34 this year. So I can say kids. So when I say kids in their 20s, it's like from the early to the late. And, uh, <laughs> and but it was uh, the way that we had structured it, it's, it's the 20s, not the way, um, not the way you remember it, but the way you want to remember your 20s. Yeah. So that was the hook for us to write that. Uh, there, yeah, so there's things I have that we're gonna go for that. Um, people have been asking if I was gonna write it, like a sequel to it. Um, I don't know if I'd write a direct sequel. I might take a character, the boy. He might be in his own book after. Um, maybe. I don't know yet. It has to be something really good for me to write. Yeah. Uh, and then um, Victoria was talking about maybe making it into like a game, which I was just like, that would, I never, out of, I, I love video games, okay? Yeah. I originally wanted to write stories for video games um, when I was in my teens. Yeah. And I never put the two together until she, she said it. And I was like, that, that could actually work. And that might work. Well, my 17-year-old son may be going to school to animate video games, so that would be an interesting connection to keep in. And also, I am related to a video game character, a real-life real pirate wow. named uh, Steed Bonnet, and he's in the, in the video game Assassin's Creed. Oh, wow. So it's kind of surreal. Wow. <laughs> so, to, to go with that, um, I always I make trips a lot out to uh, Mohawk Country, the Haudenosaunee Territory, yeah. and I help out with some ceremonies. Ever writes a passage ceremony, Oho Logo. Um, my friend Gaji Juni has a uh, documentary, which you should check out, called Oho Logo, and it's about the women's, mm -hmm. these two specific women who go through the rites of passage. And once they go through the rites of passage, this four day fast, they're seen as women in their community from the traditional peoples. So I'm always out there, and they always tease me that I want to be a Mohawk. They're always like, oh, I just want to be a Mohawk. That's why you're here, I always want to be a Mohawk. And I, I love being surrounded in, in their way. Um, the, the speakers, the songs, the stories, the medicine, the food, everything's amazing to me. How this ties into what you're saying is that in Assassin's Creed 3, yeah. there is a character, uh, the native character, 
is Mohawk, but he's voiced by a Blackfoot. And I'm Blackfoot who always travels to go wow. see the Mohawk. So I got, a, I got a text from my nephew, my Mohawk nephew. Yeah. And he's like, hey, you're not the only Blackfoot that wants to be a Mohawk. <laughs> and when I was playing back Pac-Man, I never thought we'd be talking about characters. <laughs> That's awesome. And then second question I have before I pass the rock on is a lot of, a lot of artistic people do more than one art. So is there something other than writing that you like to do? I play video, uh, I play video games, I also play guitar. Yeah. Uh, I play, I I'm self-taught. Um, and I'm, every now and then someone will show me a scale, I'll mess around with it, but like chords and structures. I, when, I, when I first learned guitar, I thought like every song was different and unique. Mm -hmm. Like they're always inventing something new. Yeah. And then as I started learning, I just realized that there's like, like three main chords everyone uses, you know? Yeah. And I hated being stuck in that, so I started modifying, um, chords and I started trying to create stories because I can't really sing. I mean like everyone can sing, some of us should, some of us shouldn't and I fit more, <laughs> I fit in the category of shouldn't and uh, I, yeah so I have stuff, um, we'll probably take that on the, fit, the uh, website as well but yeah I, I do um, music as well. Very cool, alright thanks for the opportunity. Well I feel so blessed I finally made it. Feels really good to be in the circle here, and I'm looking forward to reading the book. Um, yeah, the, the way I experienced the book was having it read to me because I can't um, read it, um, and so that's a very different way to 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 receive it. Um, we weren't able to cover all of it, but enough of it that. Um, Listening to it as an oral um, narrative was just very in, a very interesting way to experience it, and sometimes puts you in that almost a dreamlike state, listening to it and trying to figure out yeah what, what was dream, what was reality, and um, I, I kind of put dreams in the same category as those liminal spaces too between sleeping and waking and waking and sleeping where all kinds of things can emerge and um, as someone who's done more visual art in the past especially things that are repetitive that also put you in that state almost a meditative state and you just keep learning from that and, and receiving from that <coughs> When I looked you up on the internet, you, it looks like you're a political activist too. Yeah, times. Yeah, <laughs> like around the tar sands and issues like that. And um, so my question for you is, uh, I, I'm not saying they're separate, but I'm, sometimes there can be a tension between the left, what I think of as left brain activities around activism and being creative. And not that you can't bring creativity into activism, but sometimes it creates a tension. And I wonder if you ever feel that and how you, what do you do with it? Um, so the, we'll go the, the oral, the oral like narrative, um, when you have some reading to you. Mm -hmm. That was one of, and I'll answer your question after, but that was one of the things I loved about growing up was my mom would read to me constantly mm -hmm. when I was a kid. And you don't really realize it, but that's a small window of time you can have and share with mm -hmm. your mother or your father whoever reads to you, because um, eventually you kind of outgrow it. Um, and you lose that 
it's not the same as when you're a kid, as when you're like getting older, to have your mother read to you. And then uh, I'm very fortunate I could still say I have a mom. I hear this in ceremony from other, from other men. They look at me and they say, you're, you're, you're lucky you have a mom. You know, you're lucky you can still say I have a mom. Um, and all these will be like these really powerful memories to look back on and reflect on. And when I was writing this, I, I always had this thing of like, if I was reading to a child, and I wanted to have that kind of feel to it. You know, like I wanted to emulate that experience I had with my mom as I was reading. Because I, in my mind, I would love my mother to read this to the grandkids, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, she does, which is great. And it, but it's, it's, it's kind of interesting to create that experience. That's something personal to me that my nephews and nieces can experience. Mm -hmm. And then my, uh, my grandkids, who are traditionally my nephew's kids, and my niece's kids. We look at that as those are those are my grandkids as well. Mm. Um, the second thing about activism and art, uh, there is a lot of beautiful art that comes out of activism. Mm -hmm. um, J.R. Artist, I don't know if you ever heard of the J.R. Artist. He's uh, he's this amazing dude who goes around the world doing portraits of people, and the one that he did that I always I fondly look at, and I met him. I had a fortune of meeting him twice, um, but he he along the Gaza Strip with the Palestinians and Israelis. Mm -hmm. He took these, uh, he, he grabbed one of each person and he would say, make the most racist face you can of a Jewish person or a Palestinian, just do that. And so they would take these pictures and they're these really funny looking faces and he plastered them, these gigantic yeah. paintings on the Gaza or the wall yeah. right next to each other. And so people would walk by and they wouldn't even know that they're laughing at anybody because everybody looked the same, you know, they're like cousins. Um, and then um, when all the drone attacks were happening, when drone attacks were coming to the mandatory thing that they were doing, they probably still are. I don't really know. They're not getting as much coverage. They are. They are? Yeah. He, would, um, he took a family portrait, and he, he had a gigantic high-definition photo of them, and he would put them on top of their houses. Mm. So when the, the, plane, the drone plane's about to bomb, you see this bomb coming in, um, they, would set, they would see a family. They wouldn't just see, like, a roof. Mm. And he would... Uh, a lot of these bombs were missing after. They, were, they weren't hitting their targets. They were, they were missing. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, if this is an interesting thing too, like uh, they've been talking about this wall for a few years. Um, there's there is essentially a wall that's built, yeah. in, like it, it, in southern the southern part of uh, the United States, yeah. and um, there's places where there's a lot of people and they'll build a brick wall. And we look on the state side, it's this really desolate thing. It's just this like no man's land. They have like some places have a really big concrete wall and they'll have like a fence and maybe some barbed wire. But when you go on the Mexican side and you look north, they have the most amazing art mm -hmm. spray painted on their side mm -hmm. um, of revolution, of freedom, of tyranny. Um, and so I, I do think that you would use everything mm -hmm. when you're creating art. And so when I was writing the book, I was using, I had to go to some really deep, dark places, some really tragic places to get certain chapters out. Mm -hmm. um, but you use everything when you're creating art. Right. And when I'm playing guitar, um, you don't ever lose a girl, you gain a song. <laughs> yeah, like, like Rosemary, we only got part way through the book uh, and then read the last two chapters and the epilogue. So um, I'm looking forward to finishing reading. Uh, the book. Um, I was really impressed by the way that you interpreted 
how people dream um, and that whole other possibility of alternative realities um, and, and, and using that as a way of thinking about uh, what happens to people um, and, and the need to not be tied to um, a certain way of thinking about the world, to be open to different types of ways of thinking about the world. <coughs> Thank you. Well, so did you get to the, did, you, did they meet Nappy yet? Did the character meet Nappy? Sorry? Did the character go into dreaming? Like before you stopped, did he go into the teepee? He went to the uh, corpus. Uh -huh. uh, Has he gone journeying into the teepee yet though? Yeah. 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 Okay. You still got a bit more, a bit more to go. Yeah. yeah. You're missing. You've just you've tried to cheat and you've missed the like the, one of the best parts of the book. <laughs> that's what I figured at the end. I thought, oh man, that's sort of this, this a whole thing we're here missing here that we are that we are missing. But, yeah. but I am looking forward to your um, to your to your response when you, when you get done the book about certain aspects of mm -hmm. what what happens in it. Okay. Okay. I can have it now. You can <laughs> have it now. <laughs> so, to, to start off, the, the grammar was throwing me off a bit, and, and I went, nope, I'm not going to let, let this throw me off. And then I was a little confused at the beginning, because my dream world, like, some people can remember so many details on their dreams, and I can't. I just... I can give you a sort of a feeling. Sometimes I know. So, so I I kept reading, and and you started to pull me in. <clears throat> and one of the things, like spirit, you and I have the the same idea uh, on spirit. Okay, and we definitely touched on on that. Uh, and then when you were sitting here, you said, so. Some of this is your real life, and some was made up, correct? Mm -hmm. And so now I'm really confused. <laughs> it's just, it, does, it doesn't take much to confuse me. Just like a family. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, I would call it a, a talking book, okay? And that's probably closer to the way that I would write as, as I talk write a talking book and uh, I learned a lot I wish I had that dream world I wish I had more of that um, but yeah this is a learning process for me and if I can get partway into that kind of dream world I think I think I'd really enjoy that I don't know how to get there though <laughs> Maybe I need to talk to the boss about Not me. <laughs> Anyways, it was... I'd, I'd like to read more, if, if that's what you're, you're going to do, more of this uh, dream world and, and spirit. And one question is, at the end... Oh, no. 
Have you read the end? I've read the end. Oh, Never okay. We've read the end. So <laughs> it's not like Star Wars, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so in the building room, the old man. Oh. Has everybody read the book? Yeah. yeah. Oh no. Oh. Okay. Well, I, I, then I won't ruin it. I'll, I'll ask. Don't do ruin it. Ruin it? Uh, no, because I, I, no, no, I'm not. Um, that is up for you to determine. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. That's all I'll say. Um, that is up for you to determine. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> because, and mainly because I don't think dreams have, uh, I don't think they're, they're linear in time. Right. Exactly. So they, exactly. I, but it is what, it, it, yeah, I, I, I don't know though. Like that, the thing is like when I wrote that ending, I was like, this is, uh, this will be for the people to decide. And then the reasons why is the ones you create. Okay, because um, we have our own book club at home and. At our place, after we read it, then, then we discuss and see. I'm, I'm a person who, when I watch a, a mystery, I like to pick out who the, the killer was or, yeah. or whatever. This one, it had me off balance, I guess is what I can say, yeah. which is probably a good thing. Yeah. And, and so I, I, I wanted to have detailed dreams when I wrote, like when you're, when you're reading it. Um, because it, it says, the character in the book says, like, you'll forget a lot of the story as I'm, t as I'm telling you this. Yep. And you'll only, you'll only remember fragments. Um, so even if you, were, you get into those dreamlike worlds where you can remember everything vividly, eventually you start to forget it. And maybe your process happens a lot faster than most. Like you just start forgetting all the things that, where you were and why you were there. Yeah. Um, but the ending, yeah, the ending is totally something you're going to create. That's, mm. that's like, that's not me. That, there's a bunch of different ways that ending can go. There's two real main ways, but there's a bunch of different ways it, can, it could break off. And that, that ending there is really just for you and how you, how, you, how you let the story go. How do you let the story go? How to die? Yeah. Without spoiling it. Well, see, it's because we discussed it, I've now taken my wife's idea. So I won't say anything. And that's how you say it. It made sense to me. I, I, I didn't think of that. Yeah. The ending like that. It didn't occur to me. And when she said it, I'm going, oh, okay, that was. And I don't remember what I said. That was obvious. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I think you got a sequel going here. There's potential for that. Yeah. yeah. So, but it probably won't be for a few more years. I really have to compile something, some, some solid ideas for it. Um, tragedy and triumph are one of the things I wanted to have throughout it. Mm -hmm. Discovery was some things that I wanted to have throughout this book. Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately, you can have all these amazing things and still be lost. That was one of the other things I wanted to have in this book. Um, okay. So I'd have to have something, I'd have to have something really special to make a sequel. And I don't think it'd be a direct sequel. Um, it, it, there might be characters who might jump in from time to time, but if there was, it'd probably focus on the, the, the four star. Right, yeah. okay. Pick one and pass it on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so illiterate and so ignorant. Because I took this book from Gitz Crazy Horse and this was his story. This was a story about you. <laughs> so you can imagine, or maybe you can't, 
The other thing is, is, is that I play games by the rules. And so when things don't follow the rules, it really knocks me off kilter and it frustrates me. And the spelling and the punctuation and the grammar and things. Oh, so I had to put the book down for a while. And then I picked it up and I thought, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to try and get over this because, like when I first went and saw the movie Christmas Vacation, I hated it. I didn't laugh at anything. <laughs> because it made fun of every cultural thing that we kind of celebrate in North America. And, and I, but then the next time we went, Brad said, just remember when you see it, it's just a movie. It's not real. And so I find that I have to get over my own values first and kind of set them on the back burner and then go through the book. And yes, I. Uh, so it was kind of disjointed for me. But I, you answered all my questions right off the bat. And I thought, oh my god, what, a, what was I thinking? <laughs> but, but I enjoyed, I enjoyed the energy. And some of it was frightening, and some of it was, yeah, dreamlike, absolutely dreamlike. Um, yeah. So I, I'll look at it again and see. I'll see it differently because, because you you identified <laughs> that this isn't your your life story. <laughs> yeah. That this is that this is a fiction. In places and real in others. Yeah. So, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Note to self. <laughs> <laughs> well, this wasn't. The first story I'd written, a novel that I'd read by an indigenous author, so I wasn't caught up on that. So I let it flow and I just let go. So I didn't get caught up on that. But what happened, I, I read it, <clears throat> and then um, I intended one day of a sacred creation story at the library at the end of December. It was four days, but I don't know, you're supposed to attend for four days, what do I know, right? So, but, I mean, they graciously allow you to pop by, so I popped by for one day. And so Jerry was telling us about the creation story itself and how the way I heard him tell it, and it might not have been what he said, the way I heard him tell it was the creation story can be told in four days. And the creation story can then again be told in one month. And the creation story can then again be told in three months. And it's told at these, at these different levels, right? And so then, in the middle of all of that, I go, wow, in your book it opens up with, um, I remember back when I wasn't much older than you. And so then I went, wow, like, so this story here because it's got such a complex theme, has been simplified for me, because this is all that I could understand of it. And so that, anyway, so I kind of connected those two, and that this is just a simplification of what actually happened in the whole event, right? Because you had to have been there kind of thing, and there's another whole level of detail that maybe I'll get when I'm mature, or maybe the storyteller will come back and give it to me at another whole level. That's how 
five boys um my mom my grandmother on my dad's side i think she had like 19 kids um my, my grandma on my mom's side i think she had like seven or eight and they all had a bunch of kids so uh, we we was just like this constant like madhouse in my mom's place and uh it's funny because my brothers were like you you know i was the youngest right so was the, my mom's baby and she's like you mom's so e went so easy on you and you don't know how lucky you got it and I often have to ask them, I was like, oh, how many times did you get beat up in a day, you know? I was four times, like, by four older guys I could not do anything against. And, uh, but, like, and then they started having kids. And um, sometimes I'd end up doing the, my homework in the bathroom, you know? Because that was the only quiet space you could get. And, 
but you look for these moments, and the and the there's another book I forgot who wrote it, but like the most you could really ask for perfection is is just like a moment, mm -hmm. and so you get these moments throughout your whole day, and they might all be full of that chaos, but you have that one little moment, and it's good to sit in that, you know, find that that that, that space, and you can find that I believe you can find that that calm place almost anywhere on this earth. Some places it's really hard to experience, but um, I think that you, you, you can discover those places. You know, they can lock you up anywhere, but they can't really lock up your mind. And yeah, it's, um, thank you for your, your input. It really, this is, this is, this is great. This is like really, <laughs> it's having a weird fa effect on me, but I just want to say thank you. More like an experience rather than just reading a story or, or um, just in some ways, you know, just going from one chapter to the other and finding out how the plot develops or something. It, it was sort of really an experience because I've always been fascinated with stars in the universe and, and uh, I was fortunate enough to be out in the country a lot of times. and. <clears throat> have people, you know, uh, you know, uh, appreciate all that the uh, structure, you know, the uh, sky and how the formations are. But just to to be and have them as a symbol of 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 what, what uh, receiving spiritual knowledge was was really really creative and really unique. So that that it was a Beautiful journey for me, and I want to say you're you're really a, a gifted person, and I see a, a you know a really good future for you, for writing and communicating. I can't say I connect with your punk stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty blinded about music, but that's well, punk. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I, I just really appreciate. It. Palestinian <laughs> activist. She's Jewish and a proud Palestinian activist, so I think she has a heck of a lot more punk in her yeah. than she's giving herself credit for right now. And, uh, and that's why I admire you. Just putting that out there. <laughs> you might have invented it. <laughs> I would really like to read your book to my grandkids. I think they would, um, it would open their horizons uh, some. And uh, I, I read to my girls really a lot when they were growing up. And, and strange things, you know. Um, I, would, uh, I come from the States, and so um, when we, we homeschooled and when we were studying about the Civil War, I read Uncle Tom's Cabin to them people say, you, you, what? <laughs> and, but it opened their eyes and um, gave them a, a new understanding of people that were different than themselves. And uh, anyway, that's... <laughs> Well, I didn't get all the way through the book, uh, but I was very impressed as far as I got, which was about three quarters of the way, I think, so far. And I absolutely 
We'll probably finish it tonight, but anyway. Um, I, I was impressed at the, uh, the different levels of expression that happened as the uh, adventures took place. Uh, a little boy seeing some falling stars, uh, a person growing up, having more experiences, uh, sort of gravitating towards young people and helping them. But at the same time, having these whimsical or that's not quite the right word um, because they weren't inconsequential at all, but they were uh, significant dream events that led this person farther along the road to understanding. And uh, upon finding the stars, there always seemed to be a really, uh, a germ, uh, a genuine jewel of wisdom that came out of all this progress to this particular point. And that really impressed me because I've had to live uh, more than 75 years to find out some of these things. And this is the young fellow is just going along and it just seems to come through a, a real spiritual understanding, which is uh, something that I need to recognize more as possible for me because of having lived a, a life as a, on the practical side of science, not an investigator or anything about you tend to take stuff as knowledge and true and you go on to another thing, but you forget about the fact that there is an overall spirituality that ties us together. So this book sort of brought that all out in just a hundred pages. So I was really appreciative. Thank you. Um, so when I was writing, there was, uh, I wanted to, the, the perception of change as he got older. So the beginning when he was a child, it was very, um, this might have drove some people a little nuts, but it was very kind of like comical and a little too kind of out there. Interacting with like the puppets in his television was one of those things where like, I wanted that so bad to happen to me as a kid, you know? <laughs> yeah. I wanted there to be like a mysterious door that opens up and I was like on Sesame Street with Telly and... Yes. And, yes. yes. You know, like... <laughs> and I would be part of their adventures. And that was one of the things I was like, well, this... You know, this may happen, this may not have happened to this kid, um, but that, the writing would change as he got older. And then even when he's an elder and he's walking around his, his house and he's reflecting everything. Um, that's one of the things I wanted to have in it. Um, but that, and one more thing too is like, there's a certain point where it might seem like the whole book kind of goes up, like it just goes off the rails. And you don't know where it's gonna, where, where we're gonna land, where it's going. Um, but he has a conversation with Nappy, and, and Nappy tells him, like, all these paths, they're, they're actually all the same, and they all come back to me. Um, that was one of the, the things that I really, I really wanted to have, and I wanted to, to take you on this journey that you're like, what, you know, what, what, what's happening next? This is driving me kind of crazy. Um, but that, that's like life, you know? We want, we want our structure. We want things to go down a path, a road. We want to see the road signs coming ahead, you know? Uh, we want we want a like a jump start on how our health is before we get to the doctor and they're like this is this is what you're dealing with now um, but we don't have that and they just it just comes and we just we, we, we adapt to it and we just keep going that was one of the things I wanted to like the reader to experience in this book and then to get that that little thing from Nappy saying like it's all it's all the same man all the roads come back to me it's all one gigantic road you think there's twists and turns ups and downs there's not it's just this is just life uh, yeah, that was, yeah, it was, 
I'm really, I'm really, I'm really loving the feedback. It's, it's interesting um, how it's affecting everybody because I didn't know how this would affect people when they read it, whether or not they thought it was garbage. So. It's definitely not garbage. <laughs> um, I uh, completely devoured this book um, despite uh, Gitz's cousin Debbie who lent me her copy um, to just take it slow, just enjoy it, just use it as a treat. And then I think by the time I got in between the second and third star, um, I was hooked. Like I needed, yeah, I was canceling appointments and being like, <laughs> I just need more time. Um, and really enjoyed the building room breaks. <clears throat> I found myself craving kind of that pause in the story and getting the root of the, the message. Um, I love the building room. That was a really cool concept. Um, and the, the fourth star, um, and then the life of the fourth star was just, yeah, gut-wrenching. I called uh, Debbie, or I messaged her after, and I'm like, I'm done the book, and she called me immediately. I told you not to read through that so fast. I, I had a feeling you would, and I was just bawling. Like, it was the way that the, how you depicted emotion and the rawness of um, the fourth star and that loss and uh, was just beautiful. It was just perfect um, and very human and universal and um, yeah, opposite of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Victoria Ong had asked that my daughter take it for I loved the book. It was an awesome book, and it was an amazing read. Um, yeah, it was just a really cool concept and everything. I loved it. What surprised you most about the book? Uh, at the end of the Red Road, Nappy was there. Mm. Um, and. I don't know. I just loved the whole thing. That's cool. So, yeah. Yeah, I wanted that, um, oh, that, that, the idea that the red rope is this thing that would expand and contract. It would be hard to walk on. Mm -hmm. um, you want to quit. You would quit. You would get lost. Uh, the idea that some people say, you just walk the red road and everything is, is works for you. <laughs> it's not like that because you meet these people. Um, like the coyote, or, uh, yeah, the, the, the the, the creature that took him off the, the path was somebody that we've all met before who has like, who says all the right things spiritually or just like mentally, you know, they're just like, they, they, they can lead you off the path and, and then they're like, okay, I'm gone. And that's, for me, that, that's the nature of some people. And if that's the nature of them, then they really can't be mad because they can't help but be what they are, you know, and they're always going to be that. You're going to change, you're going to change over your lifetime but you will meet people like that. And they will, the sad tragedy for them is they may never change. They may always be like that character, you know? And they'll, they'll be, they're alone in the end. Um, but that, that whole thing of like just being on the red road, that was, it's not all just like uh, stars and stripes. It's not all, it's not all like, you know, it's, it's hard. Yeah. But at the end of it, yeah, you know, you're, you're met by this, this being who welcomes you back. Mm -hmm. And I always, the, the idea of like meeting Nappy now, 
you know, what would what would he say if you can meet him now? What would not be say to you? What would what kind of guidance would not be given to you? How would the world look that he's in? Um, what would it take to get to Navi? There's all these ideas I was playing around with my mind as I was writing. So the very second the person goes into the teepee and the teepee changes into a cave, mm-hmm. I was thinking like, this, this is the journey to Nafi. This is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. In my mind, at least. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm glad you loved it. Yeah, it was a really amazing book. Thank you. Did you devour it like I did? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so I decided I would read it to Sam because she came to our last book club and was like, I didn't even know what you guys were talking about, and she was really mad and annoyed, and I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. So I decided with Gitz's book, of course, I'd read it to her. And uh, and it was really validating, because right in the start, you said, you know, this is for all the moms who read to their kids, and I'm like, this is for me! (laughs) So, the very end, with the last uh, star, and actually Sam and I, we, we laid in bed and we cuddled and we just bawled together. Like we had that whole journey together where we got to ball together. Um, I think too, it's, you know, I, I just felt so much uh, parallel too with, uh, it's a little different for me because I didn't have my mom. And I didn't have my mom read to me. So I didn't have, um, you know, that connection. And, and then I, I had a stepmom and that connection that obviously is happening with the fourth star did not happen in my world. So it was just so raw for me to read it and then to read it to Sam and have her, her know that feeling and um, com- complica- complicated a lot more with the concept of apprehension and um, you know, the red road that I'm walking down is, is you know, missing and murdered indigenous women and children being taken and uh, those children being taken leading to missing and murdered indigenous women because moms after they lose their kids and there's no hope and the government does not care about you and reuniting your kids i i i think of my mom and having the strength to still live a life and not have addiction and and thank god for her family to surround her and and help her uh she lives with my my grandma and my brother and my uncle her brother and um like I, I to this day do not understand how she's here, hearing all of the stories that I know and seeing the journeys that so many mothers have gone through and losing their children and how, um, how much violence they've gone through and then to die violent deaths. It's been absolutely one of those journeys to read in this book, this connection between the character and the fourth star was just so gut-wrenching. I just bald and bald and bald <laughs> so but it it's good and then I really liked how you talked about the red road and how it's not easy because boy it's not easy and um, even today just really quiet trying to get stuff done ready for book club talking about lateral violence and it's like I can't voice this or this or this um, about the women's march or whatever is in my life because you know you don't want to be laterally violent like the red road is so sucky and hard and then when you're trying to talk to non-indigenous all of that gets put aside for the bigger picture so it doesn't matter about this hurt or this pain or my ego issue here with this one person because the bigger concept with that world has to be talked about and walking the red road is so hard and i wish it was easy but it's not 
and that's why I just there was every level of that book and I was actually um, I found it quite funny when I read the CBC said this was for kids because I'm like kids yeah. screw kids man this is for me yeah. I'm 41 <laughs> yeah right so it's kind of funny and I thought oh if you have a teen series no well, then it's going to be even more mature and I'm like I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be there uh, at all yet. so but yeah, I just want you to know how much I really loved your book, and uh, obviously I, I do believe. Um, oh, one other point I wanted to tell you was that last year at this time was when uh, Joseph Boyden was kind of being exposed, and I found that incredibly emotionally exhausting, trying to go through that and staying on top of what was happening. So I just found it really healing to, for this year, me being reading to my daughter from an Indigenous author about something that we actually related to, which was dreams. and. Um, ceremony and, and understanding our red road and our red path and what that looks like and how it's not an easy journey. So it was just really healing to have that from our experience from last year at Christmas to this year at Christmas. It was just me reading to my daughter. So those were the main things I wanted to tell you from me to you. And uh, now I get to put my hat back on and I'm with 12 Community Safety Initiatives, so. <laughs> if I can respond. Yeah, of course. Um, I, I wrote this book for like everybody, but I wrote this specifically with um, our indigenous youth in mind. Um, and there's a truth that's revealed from the main character to the, the fourth, the, the boy, the fourth, you know. Yeah. That, and that's a truth that not a lot of us get a chance to hear, you know. Mm-hmm. And we may not ever get to hear that. Mm-hmm. And it that there I got a, a text from somebody who was a was a, was the was the main character in this, telling me about his experience. And it was not from the child's eyes, but from the the adult's eyes. And I was like, wow, I never I never contemplated that at all. I never thought about that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was one of the things that I had specifically in mind. Was there some indigenous youth, male or female or trans or other, that's estranged and there's just this one thing that, you know, all kids should hear then they come from a situation like that. Yeah. Like every single one should hear. And they may not. And that, that was one of the things that I was I had in mind when I was writing that. So yeah, that was um that was the most difficult uh, for writing purposes. Um drawing from my own life, my own experiences. I work with kids. I've worked with kids since I was 19. Uh, this would be year 15 for me. Um, and, and just actually bawling as I'm, I was writing that, that last bit. You know, because that was uh, so many times in my life I just want to, you know, grab my own nephews and nieces or grab the kids I work with and just tell them. Tell them this truth. Um, you know? And, and have them believe it, more importantly. That, that was, for me, the one thing I wanted to and you can't, right? But there's one thing I want to experience uh, towards the end was, was that, was that truth. From shared from one person to another. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, Can I share a quick upbeat story? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so your comment about I always wanted to be that kid that interacted with the puppets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine everybody here except Sam has seen Mr. Dress Up, right? Yeah. 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 Have you seen Mr. Dressa? Okay, so you won't know the title. But share with her later about Mr. Dressa. I will. So a friend of mine got a job at CBC in Toronto. And they have 
the treehouse. She gets to walk by every day. Wow. She took a picture of it, shared it on Facebook, and then when she came back to Calgary, that's all anyone wanted to talk about. <laughs> oh my God, that's the treehouse? She says, I get to walk by it every day. And it, she looks at it every day. Wow. That's how much of an impact. So she's actually playing with the puppets <laughs> every day in her head as she goes to work as a producer at CBC. That's awesome. And so that reminded me of that story. It is a real job. Yeah. So if you're ever in Toronto, pop in the CBC and say, can I see the tree? Yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow, it looks like you got to wrap up. I have to run off. I have a dodgeball game. Okay. Wow. <laughs> We're just starting today. I realize I confirmed your Facebook request today. Okay. So can I message you on Facebook yeah. about scheduling a time whenever I'll message you tonight? Sure. And just let me know when you're free and we could do an interview to go with the footage that I just got and put a story together. Okay. That is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for, for coming. coming. Yeah. Thanks for letting me know Michelle. Yeah, I'm glad. I just... I truly believe, like I was talking about Can Lit and last year with the Joseph Boyden issue, um, especially there's a there's a need for Indigenous voice in Can Lit, mm -hmm. and I think that Can Lit's not ready for it because they like Margaret Margaret Atwood, and that's talking about you know feeling attacked and feeling silenced, and it's like you have the biggest voice there is. Even Americans are listening to you, and our voices are always so suppressed. So. You know, I just, and Gitz is so, like, loud. He knows how to say in two sentences what takes me, like, a paragraph to write. So I think, like, he's just going to bam can lit with that Indigenous voice. And I think there's going to be part of that shift in Canadian uh, relations with Indigenous people because of it. Like, I really see you moving forward and people hearing what you have to say and thank the God for it, so or whatever is bigger than what I understand. So um, that's my hope, anyway. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to pull you away from the book list. So when we have more time later on, we could do a more in-depth interview. Okay. Yeah, you Good don't luck. want to be picked last for dodgeball. We're starting a new season, and I totally forgot we switched over to Mondays. Wow. And I realized I was on my way here. So. <laughs> Well, thank God. I'm so glad everybody got a chance to say um, uh, what they needed to say. Of course, I want to focus a little bit on reconciliation, but if you have more questions, maybe we'll just go around uh, one more time because we've got half an hour and I just don't want to take away from anybody being having the opportunity to interact with kids, um, other questions, and, and maybe think about reconciliation, what reconciliation means to you, and how this book was a part of that, or ask gets a question, whichever. It's a little book. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it was just like everything that's been said, it's just really refreshing to read such a book in a different way, and to really get, like it just gives you a whole different perspective of being and a huge sense of empathy. Like I don't think I've read a book that really gives you that much empathy of being with the character. So, cool. and yeah, I'd love to hear more about the little boy at some point. Um, so yeah, another thing I did. The main character has no name at all throughout the whole book, and that's for you to familiarize yourself with the person. There's really no names aside from I think Napi and Sequoia. 
So one of those little, little artistic things. It's going to be hard for you to merchandise things. Yeah. <laughs> no name brands. No Maybe that's the sequel. Dolls. <laughs> Maybe. Thank you for sharing that. Then. Um, as people were speaking, I guess the imagery that kept coming up was that, and I got emotional while you were talking about it, it was the coyote, the trickster, mm -hmm. that whole going off the red road. That was where I was lying in bed crying. I was actually on my red couch, <laughs> reading about the red path and the struggles of the red path and, uh, and then that getting off the road part. And you just eloquently explained that and described it just sitting here. And it made me very emotional because I think we spend a lot of time going off-road and being led by very strong and powerful voices, very convincing voices. And I've been walking these frigid days with the coyotes, of course, down by the Bow River. And so it is just such a delicious image and how those babies became brown stones. And it's just, it's just delicious, delicious for the imagery. And I want it to be a radio play with that strong male voice. I just, I just love it. It could be this voice that I heard, but this. So the, 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 um, the coyote and the babies, um, oh, the burden that he, the, he, he, the person took to save these kids. I know. You know was one of the things they actually turned out to be stuff that was weighing him down, but not in a good way. They were, they were stones. You know? I know. <laughs> Facing those wolves and just with steely eyes. And when it would be only natural to back up, going straight. And that's what we do. You just did so well in that. And I guess the punk thing doesn't surprise me because in places I felt it was lyrical, it was song, it was um, poetry. Like I heard an interview done with Alan Boyle today from, um, from Newfoundland same isolated community out there and he was basically saying why would we write anything down in books we've written songs we've sung them in our kitchen we've shared them with one another your book is a song <laughs> in 1988 i had to follow frank king on stage speaking this is equally as important. <laughs> <laughs> and he had theme music. I didn't. I didn't. Anyway, um, thanks for sharing that. I, I wanted to just put out a question again to the, to the group as I did the last time, and I hope that you consider passing the book along. Um, I decided today and walked into Cornerstone Youth Center, there's a young Indigenous girl that I, there's a couple of them that come to our youth center 
that have been asking about connecting to their indigenous roots and starting to learn about stuff. And I thought this would be a great opportunity for them to meet somebody who's who's uh, somebody to look up to. And so I couldn't get them out tonight, but I promised uh, one girl that I would get a signed copy of this book and give it to her. So. I hope you guys all consider to do that. I just got mine signed. <laughs> I hope you consider passing it along and, um, and sharing the story. So there you go. And, and if you do, um, please let Michelle know because I'm curious where they end up. It, it'll be almost a, a ship in a bottle journey. Yeah, there's, um, we have, uh, we're, I just, with my visionary partner here, uh, opened up a Instagram account for Secret of the Stars. So you could tag yourself holding the book, which is we're taking pictures of people tonight. Yeah, so we're gonna have uh, places that you can pick up the book. Um, like I think uh, right now there's MRU, Calgary Public Library, so they're gonna purchase some. Um, so Secret of the Stars book is what it's called for Instagram. So if you want, I'm doing it right now. I, I already good. took a picture of you with the book here. <laughs> so you can just tag that yourself on that, yeah. uh, whatever hashtags you want to have. And then you can send me the photo as well and I can put it up. And also where the book eventually journeys to, yeah. you know, yeah. as we pass books on, which I think most of us book lovers do, um, where those books end up um, would be really cool to track just through also. Instagram. I'm so not an Instagram guy, but I'll figure out how to find you. We can show you after. What is it again? Secret, Secret of the Stars book. Okay. And I've, I've memed, so if you look at it, I've memed some people already. They've, I've taken their uh, reviews and a picture of them, and they have it with uh, with themselves holding the book. You're going to need a, a, like a whole page for her quotes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the, well, so I'll before we go on, one of the coolest ones I have was from, um, Darren Aronofsky, he directed uh, Black Swan, The Wrestler, Noah, Wrecking for a Dream, um, the Mother, what else? Wrestler. Wrestler, Fountain, Pie. He's a Hollywood director. He, he actually had read the book and he, I got a picture of him holding it. So, it's kind of cool. Cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> well, I realize I have an adventure ahead of me. And, uh, more so than I ever thought. I didn't have any expectation coming here because I knew so little. I didn't decide to come before yesterday. So uh, it's, it's, I think I'm looking forward to it. And I'm sorry I didn't do that journey before I came here. So I could share or be part of the discussion. Well, you can. What does reconciliation look like to you? And do you have a question for Gitz? So, like, or focus it more like that, because I know um, I've had people say, "Oh, we want more elders to come to our book club." Well, here you have another Indigenous man, and who happens to be an author. So, what are some questions about reconciliation that you have? Because that is the purpose of this book club. You're on Instagram. Yeah. I just put a post, oh. and I just started typing it, and I eventually came up. Well. I don't know how to formulate my thoughts about reconciliation because sometimes I find it is very abstract and sometimes I find it is right here. Like It's hard to be on the outside looking in and sometimes I'm not really on the outside because I'm part of uh, people who have lived the story. 
and uh, I find it it's hard to be on the outside and I am not I didn't I grew up in Norway so I didn't grow up here but since I live in Canada it's part of the story of the country I live in so maybe that is why I'm drawn to uh, well, even before it became uh, more, pe more people got interested. I, I used to have retreat at Nakoda, and uh, I used to love Nakoda. I used to go there by myself. It wasn't an indigenous retreat, mm -hmm. but it was an indigenous atmosphere. And for some reason, I felt really home before they built the hotel. This is a long time ago. I'm an old lady. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, I used to love to go through their art galleries and uh, the lodge that they had and still have. And uh, so that was a spiritual place for me. And I suppose I, at that do, in those days, we didn't think about reconciliation because history hadn't got there yet. The road hadn't, you know, the journey hadn't brought that to where we are today. So, um, where do you see reconciliation? How, how people like me, how should we take part? I, I think one of, the, one of the hard truths to really accept, and everybody has a, everybody's on there, everyone has a hard time with this. All Canadians have a hard time with this. Because um, it causes a lot of discomfort. But it's to know that for the last 150, 151 years, Canada has created a system to oppress indigenous folks, specifically to take dispossession of their land, to take possession of their land, dispossess them of their lands. Um, and it's still ongoing. It hasn't stopped. And just because like, someone says, well, I wasn't here when that happened, or I'm a second generation, I just got here like a couple years ago, as long as you're paying taxes, you are paying into that system which still takes away from indigenous folks. That still displaces them. That still um, that has created an environment where indigenous women can go missing, that they can be murdered, they can be beaten. Um, like Canadians, myself, I pay into that system as well. I'm colonized to pay into that system. This is just taxes. You know, as long as, long as you're paying taxes and you're silent, or you, you know, that that has an effect on it. Um, we all play into it. It's one of those things where people are like, wow, that's not really me. Like, yeah, that is you. That's, that's everybody in this room right now. If you're paying taxes on anything, um, corner store, chocolate bar, gasoline, anything, you're paying into that system. Um, and it's more than just being vocal and loud. It's about how, it's about trying to dismantle these systems and recreate them. There's three main methods that this is done. The first is through media which is like social media or the news, that to miseducate everybody. Um, so when you look at like an, a native person protesting, they say they just want money or they're just angry or they really don't know what they're doing. Um, these, are the three main these are the three main narratives that they have towards indigenous peoples. Um, or even like calling us eco-terrorists is, is one of those things. Um, you know, like you look at Standing Rock and you have these unarmed indigenous folks fighting this pipeline. And you had the, the Bundys doing their armed resistance, um, you know, just like a couple months before, I think. You know, literally having guns, 
high-powered rifles, sniper rifles pointed at police officers' heads. And those guys all got off scot-free. And I still have friends that are going up on felony charges for being nonviolent and praying. Um, but the media takes a story and they twist it. And they, they still do that. They'll, that's why when we say murder and, murdered and, and missing indigenous women um, and trans people, you know, and little and girls, um, right away it's like sex trade workers. They're, they're, they're prostitutes. Yeah. That is media. That they're not all in the sex trade. And if there were, who cares? Yeah, exactly. You know? Um, but we have, we have students, we have kids who are just like your age. They're just like, Mom, I'm going to go get some pizza at 7 Eleven, have a couple bucks. And they're never seen again. You know? That's, that's where it is, but where media plays their role is like that's, that, that kid is a bad kid or they're all sex workers. Discounted, dis disassociated. Devalued. Yeah. You know? that, so the first, the first system was media, and it's still there. Um, the second system is education. And so in schools, post secondary, um, even even like you know, uh, kindergarten, Indian summer camps, you know these are all miseducating people, Canadians about the lives of Indigenous folks, things saying they, they chose to be poor, they wanted to be on a res, that's why they're there. If they really wanted to get off the res, they would get jobs, not realizing there's a whole way that we actually got to a res. The most colonized way you could think of of Indigenous folks is saying, well, where res are you from? And we do the same thing because we'll say like, what res are we from? But it's not really, we're not from the res, we're actually from treaty lands. We're from our own territories, Blackfoot Territory, Treaty 7. That is a, that is a decolonial thought pattern to have. But edu the education system will say these guys are poor and they want to be poor. And they, you know, they, they lost the war, even though there was no war between of, of conquering and colonization here in Canada. It was systems that they, they, they did this with. Um, and it happens right throughout school, even a post-secondary. Um, you have supposedly high, highly educated people that still have this propaganda which is anti-indigenous and they still teach that to people. Um, it's still ongoing, this hasn't stopped. And it's, again, it's about being more than being loud. You have to really disassemble the system and break it apart or have these people actually fired or re-educate them. And I mean like, I don't want people to be jobless but at the same time, why would you teach hate? What good do you get from teaching hate and ignorance to people? All that does is create bigger gaps that we, we as indigenous folks, we don't create it. When we stop traffic, we're not creating that gap or making it stronger. We're pointing out and saying there's a gap there. You know, there's, there's services that aren't being provided to us. We're being disregarded. Uh, the third system, um, so you have media, is, is law. Laws and legislations. Because none of this stuff would work unless the government made an actual law. And that happened since before Canada's inception until now. Um, it's knowing that if we actively try to um, stop Site C, the dam that's going up by Peace River, that we'll be seen as terrorists. You know, we're protecting our lands. That's all we are, is protecting our lands. And even though there was like, there were um, skirmishes, and they called the Indian Wars in North America, um, was specifically within the states more than here. Yeah. No matter how you try to frame this conversation, indigenous peoples have always been defending their country from invaders. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's all we've ever done. And we've protected our land from invaders. That's the like one thing that's a hard pill for people to swallow. You know, when we're out there. In order for us to protect our land and site C, they're looking at felony charges, looking at like going for years and years and years in jail. That's laws and legislation. These are three things that are still active here in Canada. Mm -hmm. And then it's more than being just loud. Because we have to disassemble the system. <clears throat> and so that, to answer your question, what did reconciliation look like? It's disassembling these three, these three major systems. Yeah. I believe in education. 
understanding education. And, uh, and people know, you know, people don't go there. So someone, I live in a senior building, and uh, somebody said, oh, they should get over it. And I said, well, there's quite a lot to get over. And, uh, <laughs> and she sort of stopped, and she couldn't sort of, um, you know, go there. And I'm thinking, you know, that that's where she's at. So you have to accept that's where she's at. And she needs to go to a different place. She needs to take another step. And maybe she will. Mm. Um, but I, 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 was, I, I don't forget it. It was only a few weeks ago. Because I was reading a lot. I was reading. Uh, clearing the planes. Clearing the planes, mm. yeah. yeah. So I said, well, I happen to read a book right now that has a lot of the different history than what we have been taught in the world and in Canada. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I believe that information and education will bring more understanding and respect and uh, more equality. And I don't, don't I feel like I'm, um, when I talk about this, I feel like a white person. Mm -hmm. You know, like you I feel. feel well, I don't. I feel like, do I have the right? Mm -hmm. And then maybe that's the wrong attitude too, because possibly we all have the right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's good for I, it, it, it's great, um, but as long as you're not. Taking again from indigenous folks and their voices. So I'm not pulling a Joseph Boyd and, and saying I'm speaking on behalf of all these people. Right. Um, you're you're okay. You know you're okay to to, to voice your um, displeasure and cause a discourse. But as long as it's not at the uh, expense of a particular group of people, then have at her. Um, I think I'm going to have to interject because we only have a few more minutes and we still have a few things to cover. Um, so, speaking of people speaking over people, the Women's March is this uh, Saturday. So, uh, if you're interested in um, participating in that, that's something that um, our safety circle actually came out of. So, for those who do not know 12 Community Safety Initiative, we actually uh, work on crime prevention and increasing community pride. And in order to do that, people have to feel connected to a community. Um, I know we've talked a little bit about Indigenous being disconnected from community. Um, that's a pretty big issue. When Trump got elected, a lot of women on our diversity committee actually spoke about feeling very, very unsafe and we started a women's safety circle. And with the second, well, I guess the anniversary of the Women's March coming up, Calgary is going to have another one. Uh, we're focused on the 12 communities of the Greater Forest Lawn area, and that's happening downtown, so that's a little outside of our jurisdiction. But at the end of the day, these women's safety circles were started because of that same feeling and um, atmosphere that was happening here in, in Canada. So we have two events that are coming up. 
One is on Thursday and the next one is February 15th. The one on Thursday is self-care. And Anita and Rose Crochet are gonna be leading that. And actually, um, I believe it's Anita's sister and Rose's uh, daughter is Anita and whoever the other sister is. There, there's actually three people that are going to be having that conversation about self-care. So we're super excited about it. So if you are a female or transgender and you're interested in being part of this, please don't hesitate. And then in February, we're going to do Hate Hurts. And that presentation is by Elizabeth Lee from the Calgary Police Service. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that because I think um, you know diversity uh, training is something that a lot of people need. So speaking on that, if you look on our Facebook and our Twitter account, you'll see that today especially we put up a whole bunch of events. And uh, 12 CSI is going to start doing a six-part series on diversity training. And we're going to go every other month, and it starts next month. So if you actually were to come to our, our regular meetings that are uh, at the second Thursday of each month at the Dover Community Hall, we have these communities that are open to any agency, any person of public, uh, the police usually come, and 12 CSI, we, it's open to absolutely anybody. And we're Even going, you. Yes, everyone here Even is that. more than welcome. <coughs> right, everyone here is welcome to come. We have a, a youth committee, a communications committee, a diversity committee, and uh, the catwalk committee. And, you know, we want people to feel involved. If safety is an issue, then this is exactly the way for people to feel community and feel like there's a, a structure trying to do something to, uh, you know, do crime prevention and feel like you are part of the community. So I strongly encourage you to come. Our uh, six-part series is starting in February. We're going to have uh, CCIS come over and do a general diversity training for us. And then in April, we're gonna have Tim Fox come and talk about the uh, importance of land acknowledgement. Because I think a lot of people don't understand land acknowledgement and the importance of it. And um, we talk about it. I, I do a land acknowledgement on a regular basis and I think a lot of people are just confused as to why. And I think this group's especially because we just talk about colonization, we talk about land theft, I think there's more of an understanding. But that said, you may know of somebody or maybe you want to come see. Um, the great thing about having people like Tim Fox or Gitz come is that you get to hear a voice other than just me. You know, I can tell you this until I'm blue in the face, but sometimes Gitz can say it in a different way or Tim can say it in a way that it like finally makes sense or it clicks or you see it in a different perspective. It's like a camera. Right, you take a photo and it looks like this, but if you change the lens, all of a sudden you see something that you didn't see before. So that's why I just encourage people to come to, you know, as many uh, conversations about diversity as possible because I, I guarantee there will be something that you you will learn. Um, so we have a few of these posters for the women's circle, and you know I would be happy if they were all left by the end of today. If you know of other organizations that might be interested in. Um, you know, being a part of a safety circle or telling, you know, your community over here. Um, Saturday, again, is the Women's March. They're expecting hopefully a Where few thousand. Bankers Hall. Yeah, I guess they're, you know what? I'm just going to let you guys research that because it's 
to me. <laughs> it is not for me, but it is definitely meant for everybody else. So I'll add a little bit to what you're saying, Michelle. So one yeah. of one of the things, the reason we exist in a, in a lot of the, the reason we we need to show to funders that we need to continue to exist is to have impacts, and the way we have impacts is to have people come out. So the more people that come to this, the more the people that come to the Women's Safety Circle, we can then show the impacts and continue to get funding from our various sources. So being here, being involved, getting involved, and asking others to get involved is the way that you can support our organization to continue and thrive mm -hmm. and grow. Yes. So please do. Mm -hmm. Be our billboards. <laughs> um, one of the things that happened when I put together this book club is and I told Gitz, he said, oh, I'd love to come. And I'm like, that's great. So we kind of talked behind the scenes about trying to put together a little something for you. So um, Anne Craig is um, our former school trustee for this area. She's a photographer. And she put together this cute little book that has like images from our 12 communities. So we put that together for you. We have a couple of little like tiny, tiny gift cards that were gifted to us from Marlboro Mall. And then there's one here from Timmy. And then of course, I wanted to give you our next book club selection, which is Lee Miracle's book, um, I Am Woman. So that's going to be our next book club selection. So we'd love for you to come here for it. A little thank you card in here. And of course, because everybody needs one, a community connector. It tells everybody what's happening in our 12 communities of the greater forest lawn, because obviously we need that. And I have a $20 check for you that I'm going to give to you. Yeah, it's, it's with me somewhere. I just need to give it to you. So thank you so much for coming. Thank you. I really appreciate you. Except yes, he didn't get one. <laughs> so he better get one right now. And I'm going to give this to you. We have a $15 gift card for Tim Hortons that I want to give to everybody. And that's what this is for. But before I do, we have the book. And I'm afraid we may not have enough copies. And I know there's a few couples here. I was wondering if I could ask if it would be okay if the couples just took one book in the hopes that we have enough for everybody. Okay, I'm just going to go around and give one to everyone. Thank, Thank you. you for coming. Thank you. Would you mind if I gave you one if I had one? Okay, perfect. So it's signed to be good. Yeah, I'm not going to share it. Right? Isn't that great? It's a good green cloud. Yeah. Yeah, right? This is definitely our next book club, so I hope time to read it. I hope you like it. Amazing. Oh, I guess. Okay. I think. Okay. All right. The only time you've got left over, we actually have a few. We might be able to give them. Would you like first? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Okay. And then I have two more. So I, I know you guys like two. Oh, sorry. Okay, I'll just keep this here for me. All right, so if it, did everybody get a chance to uh, get gifts um, an autograph? So before you leave, make sure. And then Sam, can you do the honors for the $15 gift card? Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, okay. 
Yeah, can we get, uh, I took a couple of pictures, but maybe we'll get some more pictures. Please take, I, I can grab a few. All right. Does everyone have their tickets out? Oh. Yep. Okay. Zero. Zero, nine, nine, two, two, four, four. You almost got the right thing. It's you. Yay! Almost got it. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, it was a lot longer than we normally podcast for, but there was a lot of great content in there. And uh, I thought it was great to hear uh, Gitz's take on on where he got his inspiration from and that kind of thing. So if you want to check out his book and you want to pick up a copy, it's on Amazon.ca. And uh, you can, you know, it's a great book to read to your kids, to your grandkids. So please check that out. Uh, we will be coming back next week again where hopefully Jason will be returning. I, I don't know, I'm... Maybe he's he's gone for the 2018. I don't know what's happened to him, but hopefully we see Jason return to the mic for next week's episode where we return to our political rantings and ravings. And until next time, I got nothing else to say, so the jig is up. You are the spark that's starting a fire that will spread across this land. And it will be a fire that doesn't burn, but a fire that cleanses, a fire that ignites in our hearts and creates light.